Hello everyone and welcome to the Kickabout. We are underway for a brand new season. Strong performances from City and Spurs, but it's a familiar tale of woe for United. I am your host, Chris. I'm Pete. And I'm Dan. Welcome in everybody to episode number 92 of The Kickabout. Uh, Pete, how was your little trip away to Ireland? Uh, terrible. <laughs> you never want to go back. <laughs> Don't want to speak about it. Yeah. Was the Guinness good? Mm, mm. Was the gym good as well? I saw you, I saw you uh, sneak a little session in the gym as well. I mean, yeah. Was that at the hotel? It was it? either that or I got heckled by the Irish. So. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea the Irish hated us so much. Or me. Yeah. Well, it doesn't look like we'll be relying on too many Republic of Ireland listeners to the show then. <laughs> so, um, uh, of course, Dan is away next week. Um, Dan, how are you, much are you looking forward to your trip how, now hearing that Barcelona can't register any of their new players? Yeah, I can't wait to watch. I've always wanted to watch Braithwaite. It's been a dream of mine since <laughs> I was a kid. So. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Dan is not here next week. Um, we're trying to get see if we can get Shearer on the show, but as per usual, he's not responding to my messages. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I should take a hint with this sort of thing and get somebody else on. Um, but yeah, of course, we are only eight episodes away now from the Magic 100 mark. Um, amazing that it's come around this quick, or it seems to come around this quick. Um, we're working on a few little ideas of what we can do to make it a little bit extra special. We're not going to go absolutely nuts, um, but we'll try and mark it, mark the occasion with something good. Um, so yeah, thank you very much, everyone, for listening so far to this series. Don't forget to share it around to all your friends and your family, and hopefully we can uh, really make a go th this season. And as always, we are going to start the show with this. Down the stat, man. Yeah, I'll be honest. I thought exactly the same thing. Dan's just sat there looking at me. He's drink, drinking his coffee. <laughs> All right, he's come very prepared. He knows it off by heart this way. I didn't realise his phone is on his lap. <laughs> um, so Erling Haaland is only the second debutant to, in Premier League history to both win a penalty and then successfully convert it. Who was the first? The first? Mm. Oh, okay. I'll give you a... I was going to say, I'm yeah, feeling yeah, the need I'm of a clue. I'm going to narrow it down. So the first happened in April 2016. Okay. For Chelsea against Aston Villa. Mm, okay. All right. Well, as always, we will get the answer uh, later on. Uh, quick fantasy league update. Um, incredibly, <clears throat> I don't know how this has happened, maybe down to our sheer popularity, 337 people have entered our podcast. Well, 334 yes. if you take us us three out. Uh, I did actually listen back to last year's episodes to try and find how many. Right. At the time, the very first episode that went live or after we did the review of the first weekend of games, it was 52. Wow. So we've seven times the amount, over seven times the amount of people. So um, I suspect there's an awful lot of bots in there and people who are just hunting around on the hashtag looking for prizes they can yeah. win. Um, but anyway, it was a weird weekend. Obviously, we'll, we'll get into the nitty-gritty of why certain players perhaps didn't perform. Um, but there's been one or two people who had good weekends. So Wayne Parker, um, he currently tops 96 points, 10 points ahead of uh, Tom Cole. Mm. A few of them triple captain and bench boosted, though, so yeah, makes Tom, me feel a bit better. Yeah, so, so Tom Cole, who we know, um, he triple captain Salah, I think mm. it was. So, yeah, there's a few people who've gone big, gone early. Apparently, Tom said he does it every year. 
he, he triple captain. Fair enough. Yeah. I can. I mean, to be fair, Liverpool usually start off really strong. As like, I think they does. beat Norwich five 0 last season. He's so. just doing it for the shout out, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> but, but Salah, like, was it five or six years in a row now? He mm. scored on the opening day, yeah. so he's a, I suppose he's a fairly safe bet. Um, but uh, yeah, and then Chris Brammer in third. Uh, in fact, he's joint second with Tom on eighty six, uh, and then a, a flurry of other people also in the eighties. So yeah, strong start from people from uh, from everybody. It's good having that strong start because it doesn't make you want to completely scrap your entire team. <laughs> who, who are you talking about then? No, no, no. <laughs> um, so we, uh, you know, I'll be honest. I didn't have a great opening weekend. Yeah, neither did I. Two hundred and fifty eighth. I am currently in the league. Where are you boys at? Well, I'm just above you. Are you? I'm about 250th, I think. So I'm like so that. I'm bottom of the kickabout. I'm about 160th. Lovely, lovely. Yes. Not, to be honest, I felt like a horse with How one points? leg. <laughs> How many points are you on? How many points have I got? Yeah, uh, I got 51. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've got 60. So you're only nine behind. Oh, okay, me. still so. very close. Well, this is this is a good thing about having that many people in the league yeah. is that you've only got to have a semi decent weekend. You're probably going to shoot mm-hmm. up 50, 100 places. Well, I mean, I'm I think I'm like 3.4 million in the world, and then the guy that's top is. 40 points ahead of me, so... Yeah. Update, I'm, I'm, I'm 275th, so it's oh, fine. I'm okay, fine. you're last. Good, 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 good. There we go. Um, so, yeah, thank you very much, everyone who has joined. Um, it's just a real shame. We said this uh, during the week. It's a shame we can't, like, have a message board or something like that where we can tell all these people, come and listen to the podcast. Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, there's probably loads of people in there. If you're not a listener, then you don't actually get to win it. Exactly, yeah. We need everyone who's listening to email in. <laughs> Anybody who doesn't email in is getting kicked from the league. <laughs> so uh, yes right okay Um, let's get cracking then with a review of the first weekend's uh, round of fixtures in the Premier League we're going to start with what started it all on Friday night Palace against Arsenal we said last week that the league fixtures or whoever does the fixtures probably put Arsenal on the Friday night hoping for another uh, giant killing like they got last Mm. year didn't pan out that way though did it no although Palace were Fairly do. I think it was always going to be hard for them, being as they split into two teams for pre-season. Yeah. Um, but I thought, especially that Anderson, I thought he was quality for them. Yeah, he was. Um, what did you guys make of, we'll talk Arsenal first, what did you guys make of um, Saliba? Obviously, a lot yeah. has been made about the fact that he was the signed, what, three, year, three years ago, and this was his first Premier League game, I think, mm, for them. Yeah. So I thought, I must admit, I thought he was outstanding. He looked really yeah, good, he yeah. 21 years old, I mean... I mean, look at Arsenal's team though, and like the ages of their players, like they they could look good in a few years' time. Yeah, I mean, you could be forgiven for thinking that you know players like Saliba, um, and and I don't know how old Gabriel is off the top of my head, but if you didn't know how old they were, you'd look at the way they played mm. on that Friday night, and you'd think they were mid twenties, late twenties. Mm. You know, people of real experience. Saka's only what, early twenties, I think. Isn't Saka's it? early twenties. Odegaard's early early twenties. Yeah. Mm. Jesus, I think, is still young. Like mid twenties, I would say. Yeah, Jesus, yeah. 25, 26 maybe. So yeah, the, I mean, we we said that Arsenal were quietly building a good squad. Um, you know, we obviously don't want to go too mad with drawing conclusions from the first weekend, but yeah. positive signs for Arsenal. Yeah, I think they handled the game really well. Um, even when Palace sort of started fighting back, um, they didn't like shit themselves too much, and then they ended up getting a second goal and sealed out the game. Really. Yeah, I think the uh, most of the country, especially those who do fantasy league, seventy six or seventy eight percent of people. Who picked Jesus would probably have been quite disappointed mm. given he didn't get on the score sheet, yep, including all of us here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but what did you make of his overall performance on the night? I thought he, he played really well. He got in behind quite often. Um, it was annoying because he was tended to be doing a lot of the crossing in. He was getting yeah. into the box and then whipping it across. And 
There's a couple of times where I saw Arsenal getting good positions down mm. wide. I'm looking in the middle going, where's Jesus? Yeah. And then you can just see him sort of wandering in <laughs> yeah. from, from off-camera shot. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Pete, was anybody that sort of really stood out for you in that Arsenal team? Or do you think that the, the team itself now is just looking such a good, cohesive unit? Yeah, I mean, I thought they started really strong for the first half an hour or so. Zinchenko on the left playing really high up. I actually looked at his heat map and he spent the majority of the time in the offence position mm. up there. I thought he had a brilliant game. Saliba as well was outstanding. Part of me was quite think... surprised, actually, that Zinchenko played over Tierney. Uh, he was... Yeah, yeah Tierney had, had not missed a lot of preseason. Ah, uh, OK, that makes sense. I do think there was some match fixing involved, though, from one of the players. Who? I think Odegaard had a bet on himself not to score. <laughs> <laughs> what was the joke with the meme that was going round? Uh, if Kylie Jenner was in his bed, it'd still pass. Yeah, that was <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that was that was astonishing that he got that close to the goal <coughs> and his instinct was to pass and not shoot. I mean, it's absolutely astonishing. But, um, yeah, I mean, I th- if you're an Arsenal fan, I think you would probably have gone into that game with a decent amount of sort of concern and trepidation based on Arsenal's history, you know, of being a team that sometimes flatters to deceive. But, you know, again, not wanting to draw too many conclusions, but this, it felt like a performance that was a little bit of a statement performance from Arsenal. Mm-hmm. That they sort of like, look, we can play the good football, but now we've also got that side of us that we can dig in and we can survive a, an onslaught from which Palace mm-hmm. did give them. In yeah, fact, yeah. Palace created one or two chances. Ramsdale made a couple of very good saves, although he also had a couple of moments where he tried to score for them as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Way at Palace as well. So they, they had the crowd fully behind them. Palace. Mm-hmm. And what do we make of Palace? I mean, as you say, they had a quite a, uh, um, a difficult pre-season, I suppose mm. you could say, with COVID and restrictions, missing pieces. They're another one that have got a really young, up-and-coming team. Um, I think if they can keep Patrick Vieira and have another sort of solid mid-table season, I think they'll only improve. Mm. Yeah. Pete, any, yeah, anybody I mean, that stood out? Arsenal, like I said, they, they were dominant for the first... 30 minutes or so, but the fact that they could try and get themselves back into the game, Ramsdale made two huge saves for them, yeah. really, to keep Arsenal in the game. But you just have to credit Arsenal for keeping the doors shut, really. Yeah. I think Eze had a mixed game. Um, Zahar, I thought, was quiet. As yeah. Well. I, I just think that Arsenal were just better than them and it made him go a bit quiet yeah I think I mean obviously Arsenal scored ended up scoring the second goal quite late in the end via that deflection Um, I think Arteta probably the only thing that might have disappointed Arteta was that Arsenal didn't kill the game off a bit sooner yeah Um, obviously leaving it at 1-0 for so long you're always open to you know that one moment in a game that can change everything but But that set piece for the first goal though was it was off the training ground I think they even admitted it straight after the game yeah it's actually uh Quite weird to see Martinelli in those sorts of positions. He's not usually mm. the sort of player you'd expect to see in mm. those yeah. six-yard areas getting on the end of stuff. In a, in a way, actually, I would have expected that. As soon as I saw that ball going, I was like, that must have been Jesus because that's his goal. That's like him, him being in that sort of space, mm. little tap-ins, that's yeah. him. But actually, he was almost... He was the next deepest player from Zinchenko who actually headed it back across. Mm. So, yeah, I think um, a strong season, a strong start to the season from them. They've got Leicester next. That'll be quite a good test. Was that at Arsenal as well, isn't it? I believe. I believe. So, yeah, yeah, that could be. Obviously, Leicester at the moment are, you know, anybody's guess what's going to happen with them mm. and how they're going to perform this season. Um, one of the, one of the stats for that first goal, just as they were coming up to put the corner in, uh, in terms of goals conceded from corners last season, Crystal Palace was seventeenth. Yeah. In terms of goals scored from corners, Arsenal was third. So not really much has changed from the set piece. No, exactly. It, yeah, it did seem a bit of a mismatch. Um, I was quite surprised to learn that Palace let Czech Coyate go as well. 
that he's now a free agent. Mm. And he's not that old. I think he's only 31, 32. Dave will be pleased to be in <laughs> it, it, it very much, It very much felt to me like last season. Kwiate, he's never been, even when he was at West Ham, he's never... Uh, you know, a star player. He was never one that really stood out from the crowd, but he was always one, perhaps a little like Kante, perhaps one a little bit underappreciated for the work that he did. Mm. He played a lot of last season, I think, at centre-back alongside Gwei. And yeah, I was quite surprised to hear that they let him go on free. Maybe the con, maybe they, maybe he wanted too much money. I I, I don't know. But um, yeah, Koyate still hasn't found a club either, mm. which surprises me. Right, okay, let's move on. Let's uh, go to the next game in order. We're going in chronological order here. We'll do the Saturday morning game between Fulham and Liverpool. Now, I think it's fair to say that of the results across the weekend, this was probably the most surprising. I think this was probably the one result that no one really saw coming. And in terms of how the game played out, I think that was probably even more surprising with how the game played out. It wasn't. This wasn't a smash and grab. Fulham mm. were worth every mm. every moment of this. Yeah. You could make a case for saying that they probably could have easily won this. Yeah, they yeah. probably did deserve to win it. To be honest, I think the game changed when Nunes came on. Mm. Um, Liverpool looked a lot more threatening, um, which I think is probably Firmino's time up as number nine now. Yeah, the the, dim- the different dimension that he gives. I mean, Firmino is just not that player to look for those in the channel runs, in those runs in behind, whereas mm. that's Nunes' first thought. He wants to get in behind that defence. So I think he's going to... I think he will score a lot of goals this season yeah. because just because watching the runs that he makes, it's almost impossible for him to not score goals. And he seems to be pretty confident. I mean, he tried that same backflip twice. Mm. Got it Got it right the first time and it was well saved. Got it wrong the second time and somehow managed to get a credit to him with yeah, the goal. yeah. Um, but let's talk Fulham first because I think we we probably should give them the praise that they think we rightly need to deserve. apologise to Mitrovic as well. Yes, we were literally talking in the gym just before the game, <laughs> saying I'd be surprised if he got double figures. <laughs> and he's he's so like he's one of one fifth of the way there already. <laughs> I thought the right was going to be on the wall when he had that first effort. He'd done really well to get inside, put the shot away, but he's hit it on the outside of his boot and mm. it's gone about like ten yards wide of the post. And I'm thinking that's not a striker with confidence. Mm. One nil. That yeah, header, I mean that header was so good. Yeah, I mean you watch yeah. the you watch the movement. It was a very deliberate movement for Mitrovic. Like he knew that he stood more of a chance, obviously, for obvious reason, of winning that header against mm. Trent than he did against Matip or Van Dijk. And I mean, they, 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 he just bullied. It's more of a slam dunk, wasn't it? It really was. It, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was. So yeah. I watched a, a TikTok the other day of Shaquille O'Neal doing something <laughs> similar to something, and it was like that. Um, and I think the, the the entire performance. I mean, it wasn't that he shied away from going up against Matip and Van Dijk. I mean. He's, I think, the first player to go past Van Dijk and making conceded mm. penalties since he's been at Liverpool. So, you know, that's a, a very prestigious mm. club that he just put himself into. Thought it was a bit of a soft penalty. What do you guys think? I, I thought it was fair, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I felt like he was already going down. I felt like the the con there was contact there. It looked like it was knee on knee, didn't it? Mm. Um, but it, when I was watching him back, it looked like he had already made the, made his mind up that he was going to go to ground. Yeah, he was he was coming more into the body, sort of like what Haaland did for his penalty, but yeah. it was a little bit less. Uh, I think yeah. it's because he'd done that last minute touch where Van Dijk obviously stuck his foot up to get the ball, and, he, and Mitrovic just managed to get yeah. there first. I mean, Van, Van Dijk actually went in twice, didn't mm. he? So yeah, he had two little was the second there, one, yeah. which caught contact knee on knee. So. But just the way he was holding the ball up and like his, mm. his his strength, you know, he was quite prepared to go toe to toe with Van Dijk and say, you know, I'm yeah. I'm bigger, I'm stronger than you, I'm going to hold this ball up, I'm going to do all this. So again, there's not many strikers in the Premier League that are going to be able to yeah. rough up those two centre backs the thought, way he um, did. Decor- 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 Reed, is that how you say? Uh, Decor. Decor- Decor- <laughs> 
Hey. <laughs> no, I'm all in. Carry on. We'll call him Bobby. Yeah, I thought he deserved a shout out. He was really good for them. Yeah, he was. Cavano well, as well on the wing. Yeah. Speak, speaking about thirty year olds as well. Like, what? I'm not sure how we had that performance. He's a, he, he was a decent player for Fulham, but I've never seen him play like that before. Mm. Do you think they'll be able to out. keep it up throughout the season? Uh, this is they, the thing. They, they were pressing very I mean, high and fast. You you always say about the the high of coming in. Um, when they had such a good season as they always seem to do in the championship. But I think to go toe-to-toe with Liverpool and, you know, in my opinion, be the better team, mm. that's going to fill them with a lot of confidence. Mm. There, there, there were patches inside the game where, you know, they weren't the better team and you could tell they were exhausted. But to get a 2-2 draw with arguably one of the best teams in the world... Yeah. That's a huge confidence booster. To be fair, the pitch was dry there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming we also saw the, uh, I mean, Pete, you mentioned it to us, the Fulham. For those of you who haven't seen it, basically, Jurgen Klopp did his usual, and it, it was. it's almost like he feels like he has to get some kind of shit. I even said on the in. chat, I can't wait to see what Klopp's excuse Yeah, because mm. like the way he even said it, he was almost like he knew he didn't need to, but he just <laughs> said it anyway. So he blamed the dry pitch, and then the Fulham social media admin uh, tweeted a picture of the sprinklers before the game saying the pitch looking nice and lush and green which I thought was just brilliant <laughs> shithousery so yeah high um, five to whoever's in charge of their social media account I thought uh, Andreas Pereira as well had yeah he had game. a good game I think he could be quite key this season to Fulham to unlocking mm. Mitrovic's potential because yeah. Mitrovic you know, one of the things we have said about it, that in Premier League certainly the last time he was in the Premier League that he, he can he can sometimes be a bit wasteful and obviously he's found the back of the net on ridiculous number of occasions last season but he was in a dominating team mm. that are going to get multiple chances to him per game there are going to be times this year where he's not going to get that where he's going to he's going to have to be that striker that's going to be able to score that one chance mm. to get them a point to get them three points so having Pereira there but that you know he does have a lot of creativity you know we saw glimpses of it at times at United in particular in pre-season games with them that he's got that little X factor about him Maybe he's the guy to, to get that out of Mitrovic. Mm. I, I did notice the, the the last point I'm going to make on Fulham is the pressing. They were pressing in numbers straight onto the wings, putting it right to the back of Liverpool. And <coughs> they just did not look comfortable with it at all. No. All they wanted to do was lump it up. And you even heard the fans going, oof, <laughs> every two minutes. They, they were really... It wasn't a, a high press as such, but it was more of a... Hunting as a pack. It was a Gagan press, mm, basically, yeah. wasn't it? It was a well, yeah. pack. Well, see, Alisson yeah. had to kick it into the crowd a couple of times yeah. because he had no seconds yeah. on the ball. But the, the thing that impressed me the most about Fulham was after they'd done that pressing, regardless of where it was on the pitch, they weren't wasteful when they got the ball. Mm-hmm. They were, they were, you know, very calculated. They knew exactly what their game plan was, who to get the ball to. They bounced it off Mitrovic, um, and yeah, they created a number of chances. I can't remember who it was. It might have been the player that you mentioned, the winger who hit Goodbye. the post. Was he the one that hit the post at one nil? Pass. I can't remember who it was. Um, somebody for Fulham hit the post. It was across the uh, across the goal effort. Really nice shot. And it from the right or the left? From the right. Yeah, with Cavani. Yeah, so point. could have easily been a very different game. So just touching on Liverpool, then um, big loss for them is probably Thiago. Yeah. Mm. Looks like a, a hamstring tweak of some description. Klopp after the game suggested that it's not looking great. Do they? He's got that in him, isn't he? He's got an injury in him. Yeah. Do, 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 should Liverpool be in the market for another midfielder? For that reason alone, have they got enough cover there? Yeah, I don't know who else. If they, I think they brought Harvey Elliott on, didn't they? Who, to be fair, yeah. was very good. Yeah. I thought. I think he could be a really good player, like another Phil Foden type mm. player. 
Um, I mean, they've still got I mean, Fabinho, I don't even think got on the pitch. No. They've got a couple of players out, though, haven't they? So they did say they weren't up to full yeah, strength. Yeah, Navigator was... Yeah. Uh, he should, apparently he was ill. I don't think he was injured. I think he was Canate ill. as well. He's a centre-back. Yeah. Um, oh, I see. He was just another as, as an injury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As Jordan a Henderson. <clears throat> he was missing. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, he did hit the bar right at the end yeah, with quite a nice yeah, shot. So yeah, I, I think I don't think Liverpool will be particularly bothered. I think they'll be probably reasonably pleased they actually got out with a point in the end. Relegation scrap or <laughs> <laughs> so I think just a bad day at the office then. I think so. I think first game of the season, often it can be a bit of a lottery, especially when you're playing a newly promoted team. It's very unless you're playing someone like Norwich. Mm. I mean, to be fair, you could have, full you, them off. You could say team. that, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um so I think I think they'll be happy just to take a point and walk away. I don't think anything is going to be decided here and now. We've got 37 games left. Mm. There's no way there's not going to be more twists and tails in this season um, unless Man City, you know, win every game from here and here onwards. It's not going to make any difference. Yeah. because there's They've going got to be... us third game of the season, so that would be a nice confidence booster for them. For them, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're winding up. I can tell yeah. you're ready to go on this Man United <laughs> run, aren't you? I'm not not saying a word until it's, <laughs> until it's time. So yeah, just and just touching on uh, Luis Diaz as well. I felt like he, a little bit mm. like Liverpool as a whole, um, there was a noticeable change in him and in his impact on the game when Nunes came on. Yeah, and it felt like to me he was actually more influential before Nunes came mm-hmm. on. Do you think? It's just again a little bit of acclimatisation, getting mm. used to each other. Is that going to be a problem for Liverpool? Yeah, well, I think when Firmino's on, it's sort of similar to Mane and Salah. They push up as the two strikers, and Firmino drops in behind. Whereas when Nunes is on, he's that like Harlan type striker, and the wingers have actually got to play the balls into him. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if um, someone like Andy Robertson and Trent as well. Mm. I wonder if they're quite looking forward to Nunes because now they've got a real target man to hit from crosses mm. and things. Whereas Diaz, as you say, if he's now got to play a little bit more of a support role, not that I'm suggesting that he's going to be bothered by that, but it might just stifle him mm. in terms of his goal-scoring abilities yeah. and that sort of thing. Because Salah did start crossing the ball in quite a lot when Nunes was in there, so there's obviously a plan for when Nunes is playing compared to when Firmino is playing. Yeah, and I guess you know when, when Salah actually scored his goal, I mean, Nunes and Salah almost got in each other's yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. yeah so uh, he dropped to his feet, yeah, wasn't it? Exactly, yeah. so, you know... Again, ten games time, maybe we'll see a, a real difference in approach, mm-hmm. and maybe everyone kind of knows the plan and everything else. So, yeah, I don't think they'll be that bothered. Right, let's move on. Um, Spurs against Southampton. Mm. Now, <laughs> you can't see, but Peter's a rather large smile on his face. So we talked, we did our Premier League table predictions. Of course, if you've not seen that video yet, please do go and check out our YouTube channel. I did say at the start of the video that the kit review video would have been out by the time that one went out but I decided to do the Premier League prediction table video first uh, the kit reaction so my, my and Dan's reaction to the home and away kits this season uh, that video should go up this week uh, but in that Premier League table prediction video we both had Southampton to be relegated and it, we're not the only ones I've actually seen mm. many other predictions Everyone many other pundits they're it. all saying Southampton are going to struggle this year so I'm quite pleased that mm. you know we, we've read the room correctly there um, and we all thought that this was, you know, potentially going to be a very tough day at the office for Southampton. And so it turned out to be. What did you guys make of Spurs' performance in this one? Um, well, I'm just start off with Kulisevsky. I mean, he just reminds me of Ian Robbins so much. Yeah. I didn't realise. Did I hear right that he's only 22? Yeah. Is he 22? No idea. I would have... Have a, someone, someone do a Google for me. I'm sure I heard them on Match Day say that he was like only 22 because apparently he's had conversations with Conte 
where he's been talking about how he wants to be the world's best in his position. Mm-hmm. Now, he is 22, mm-hmm. yeah. So that kind of makes sense that you'd have that conversation because if you're a bit more of an experienced pro, it's an odd thing to say, but yeah. a young upcoming winger can have those sorts mm-hmm. of aspirations. Um, I wonder if there's a fee agreed already or whether... Yeah. Is he, he's only got, what? Is he, he's got the whole season. Though, yeah, he was, he was an 18 month. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, you're absolutely right. If there if there was a fee agreed at the start, I'm imagining that would be considerably less than what it would yeah. be now. If there's not, um, but frankly, if I'm Spurs, I don't care what the fee is. You pay it, wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Of, because of his impact on the team. As long as as long as Juventus, Juventus, isn't yeah. it? As long as Juventus don't hold them to ransom, yeah. then I think that you would just pay whatever. So yeah, I think Kulusevski was obviously the the, man, the star man of the show. He you know caused absolute just havoc. You know, you, even though he is an Iron Robin type, I actually watched him a few times. He did. He, he's not afraid of going on his right. Mm. He will. He will go the other way. I mean, more often than not, he comes in on his left. Mm. But he does have that ability to go on his right, which Iron Robin never really did to any great degree. Mm. It's just that people still couldn't stop him. Um, and yeah, that front three is just when one doesn't fire, there's two others there ready. When yeah. two don't fire, there's one that will fire. Mm. And I think that is gonna propel Spurs to an incredible season this year. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm almost certain they're going to have a great season. I now. think they are as well. I wonder what his thinking is on the wing-backs as well, because I imagine he wants Perisic and Doherty to be the wing-backs. But Cessignon and Emerson both had unreal games and they both scored and assisted as well. Yeah, I think... I was actually quite surprised he didn't go with Perisic mm. from the start in this. Um, a little bit of a nod to Cessignon, in fairness to yeah. him. A little bit of a confidence boost. First ever Premier League goal, and I think he... He seemed to allude into his in his interview yeah. that he realised that what a significant moment it was mm. because you know he said for you know I've not scored in the Premier League I've not had as much game time for multiple different reasons he almost hinted that you know he wasn't blaming anybody he seemed it almost seemed like he was partly blaming himself by yeah. not saying anything um, and yeah, yeah I thought he had a great game he caused a lot of problems down that left side I thought defensively he was quite solid as well potentially maybe Perisic is not the guaranteed starter. I mean, I should imagine a lot of Premier League fantasy managers are probably pulling Perisic out of their team right now. Yeah, well, I guess he's 33, 34, I think, isn't he? And I mean, he's been playing in Serie A and he's had quite a few injury problems. So I guess he's not 100% reliable. Champions League for a wing-back maybe rather than a yeah. league full-back. Yeah. Back. So um, Kane had a quiet game. Annoyingly. Annoyingly, because I captained mm-hmm. him on my fantasy league team. Oh, you captained him. I genuinely was just convinced that Spurs were going to run riot, and I just assumed that Kane would be amongst it. Honestly, every time my phone pinged and it was like Spurs 2, 3, I was like, how was none of them Harry Kane? Yeah, yeah not an assist, not yeah. a goal to his name. Absolutely <laughs> incredible. I think he got me two points, doubled yeah. to four. I was like, great, <laughs> cheers. So, there was a bit of frustration between him and Son as well, though, when Son got a bit um, greedy least as in error so maximum got a bit greedy on him oh he was was cutting side screaming yeah. at him to pass the ball yeah so i think son had a bit of an odd game obviously put in a really good cross for for dyer's goal mm. but i thought son was quite quiet as well actually at times um I well, like it's, like it's paying off as one of them is not fire and the other two yeah one is because historically you know the, the play has often gone down the left mm. because the right side has been you know not as effective yeah whereas now they could go either side and be just as effective it's so probably one of the most lethal front threes in the premier league up there with sort of Liverpool based by the base by the stats they are yeah yeah absolutely i would i would say they are they've got the top you know obviously city and liverpool the the mm. top two you would say but i think they're a very close second mm. um, i mean you could almost argue that right now are they more lethal than Liverpool's front yes. three? I would yes. say they probably are. Absolutely. 
Yeah. Um, and I guess it depends which front three of Man City you're talking about because they play a different one every yeah, fucking week. So, yeah. um, you know, an argument can be made that they have got the best front three in the league well, and they've the still stats, got the stats, the stats don't lie, do they? Yeah, I, yeah, I was just saying, I've got a stat here that was actually displayed on Match of the Day last night. So since the 9th of February 2022, I don't know why that particular date has been picked. Maybe it was Kulusevsky's first game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the goal involvements, which is goals and assists, since the 9th of Feb 2022 up to the weekend just gone, the top three um, goal involvement players is Song Hyun Min, Harry Kane and Kulusevsky all three Tottenham players, and then you've got De Bruyne and Salah after them. So, I mean, you look at that, what's that? It's 39, that's uh, 54 goal contributions mm. between the three of them since February. So, yeah, I mean, those guys might just propel them to a, to a trophy this year. I dare I say it, because Spurs can be Spursy, as yeah. we know. But as I said, this is gonna, this has to be the target year for them. Yeah. This, is, this, is, this is as good as it's going to get, yeah. right? Um, so yeah fair play to him good luck to him Southampton though should we talk about that own goal <laughs> <laughs> I mean I don't care even if you're left footed you've got to hit that with your right foot yeah I mean he's hit it with his heel yeah it was just it, he couldn't have picked I mean he could have even gone with the outside of his left foot yeah he's gone with the Use hardest part <laughs> 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 the old Phil Jones yeah. <laughs> he's gone with the hardest part of his foot to contact that ball it looks so awkward and off balance I mean it was it was pure comedy yeah. uh, he, he did say on the, the interview after because he made a couple of comments on Twitter as well saying that it was the way that he because he was mid jump or mid action and the way that his right foot was planted. Right, he, he, he couldn't use yeah, it. Yeah, so he decided to use his left and poke it into the back of the net. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was a tough tough day at the office. Obviously it started quite well. I mean they did go one nil up, yeah. lest we forget. Well, Do you actually, think that goal was meant though? Do you think he meant to hit it across the ground that or I don't know if any player ever really when when you see those goals, I think um, when it hits the floor. Yeah, because the, the opponents did it yeah. for Wolves, didn't they? I don't think they ever really mean to hit. No, I think no it's player where aims to hit it directly into the ground. When they're trying to get their foot that high, mm. you almost have to hit it down. Yeah, I mean, you're taught obviously as a striker, get your head over the ball, mm. keep the ball down. Um, somebody obviously hasn't taught Bruno Fernandez that. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I think that's just a just a, a part of that technique that you try so hard to get over the top of the ball that you end up just topping it like a golf ball, almost like mm. a golf shot. Um, but yeah, I mean, he came off. He, he got the direction on it in the same way Podence did. It was a it was a great t- technique to keep it down because the ball was quite high as he mm. caught it. Um, do you think that um, you know, depending on how be- between now and the end of the transfer window, do you see any chance of James Ward Prowse leaving Southampton, or do you think he's there to stay? I think he's there to stay. Yeah, yeah. I think he's a Kevin no, no Mark Noble. You reckon? Mm. Do you don't think he'd ever leave Southampton? Do you think he will stay? Nah, he, I think I don't stay, think yeah. he'd be the same player if he went anywhere else though. I think, well, as as of last season, you could argue with Grealish. Um, he's a standout player for them. He's the star man. I think in maybe a team. I don't maybe, know. Yeah. Maybe if they got relegated, that's when I could maybe see a when? league team. <laughs> <laughs> if they got relegated, I could see them him moving. But other than that, because I think he's too good to be in the championship. It just depends on what his contract's like. Mm. If he's still got a long term contract with them, as long as they've got a clause. Is he captain? Yeah, as long as they've got a clause in there that protects them financially, there's a chance they could keep him for a year and try and shoot back up into the Premier League yeah. again, like Grealish did when he went down. I mean, different. Warpress is more of an established international player than Grealish was at the time when Villa got relegated. But, mm. you know, it's the same sort of thing, I suppose. So the, rem- remaining impartial, I think I was disappointed with Arrivo because I, did, I was speaking to you before saying that I think he's going to have a lot of goal contributions, but obviously being a midfielder, but he was up top 
wasn't he, next mm-hmm. to um, Armstrong. He was just so quiet. Yeah. The whole game, he didn't offer anything. And I, I must admit, I didn't even know Armstrong was playing. He was, he, for me, he was so just distant in that game. Um, I, I think that, I mean, so we saw at Blackburn, we know he's got the ability yeah. to, to, to turn a game on his head on his own, but for Southampton so far, he's been, I think he's been so disappointing for Southampton. Since the boy. 15 games now, they haven't picked up a win, I think, Southampton. Yeah, so. it's a bad run. I also worry... Uh, for Southampton with Raf Hassenhutel, you know he cut quite a dejected figure in that interview after the game. You know he he was, you know talking about the 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 sort of he said it's all very well working on team and being strong defensively. He said we we set up five in the, at the back today mm. um, to try and stifle them. He said ultimately if you if you're going to be an individual who loses your individual battles, it's always going to be hard for the team. It's so the problem like if you if your players aren't good enough. And you're not going to win those games. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Carl, Carl Walker Peters was sleeping a little bit for that mm. first one for Sessegnon, but I thought ultimately he still had a decent game. Um, I mean, he had a, he made a great tackle on might have been Sessegnon again actually mm. later on in the game where he came back and got a last minute challenge in. But yeah, they just right. I just really think they're going to struggle. I just don't. I genuinely do not see where their goals come from this year. I mean, no. it's the pressure of Bazuna as well. Obviously, Bazuna was with, with us last season yeah. and he's made that jump to the Premier League. Now, I'm not denying he's a brilliant shot stopper, but the two things that he cannot do or is learning, because he's still only young, I think he's only like 19, 18, mm. 19. His distribution's poor, which for a City academy or involved with the City squad is quite concerning. Yeah, um, might be why they got rid of him. Well, they, I think they've got a buyback clause in it. Right. Um, but it's when he's under pressure, he makes the wrong decisions. And his shot stopping is a bit different to having League One players against you as opposed to mm. Hurricane and, and Son. But I guess was, shot stopping more... is quite instinctive as well, isn't it? You know, yeah, those he... other things you spoke about, but... there is more things you learn. But it was his positioning was completely off as to what I'm used to seeing from him. He was not in the areas that he should have been for three of the four goals. Mm. Just just making rash decisions like running across his goal for the third. Uh, no, sorry, that, that was Salasu's cock-up, wasn't it? Yeah, third, yeah. It might have been the fourth one. Um, it, making decisions like that, you've got a young goalkeeper with huge pressure and you're only backup goalkeepers like Willy Caballero. Are you surprised that they, you know, that they've thrown him straight in the deep end? In a, in a team that, that, let's be honest, was never likely to be... Too far away from relegation, even even on a on a on a good season. You surprised they didn't go with a little bit more experience like Caballero? This well, I think Bazuna's got a point to prove. They've spent over ten million on him, and I think it sort of goes back to your comment about Sunderland. When you're shopping in the bargain bin, you're going to be paying the price. There's no denying that he will be a phenomenal goalkeeper, mm-hmm. but with the amount of pressure that he's got to keep this team up, really, if everyone's yeah. got them in a relegation scrap for the season. The pressure to keep the team up is huge for a goalkeeper of 18, 19 years yeah. old. Reminds me a little bit of uh, when Pickford was at Sunderland, when because they, they got the yeah. yeah they got relegated. I don't think he was quite as young as no. as as Bazuma is, but um, yeah, he obviously was carrying the weight of of that team on his shoulders, knowing that he was going to be a very busy goalkeeper for the entire season. Performed well, got a big money move, and obviously his career's you know I know he gets he has his critics, but you'd say he's had a pretty good career up to now with, with club and country. So. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Right. Okay, guys, we are going to head for a break. When we come back, we've got uh, our new prediction league where we'll review Dan against Lee from last week. And we've got some more game reviews. See you in a minute.
I was at um, family barbecue on Sunday when Steph came, and my uncle's a Liverpool fan. Oh, yeah. And um, she was like, oh, yeah, um, they're bitter rivals, aren't they? And my uncle's like, well, used to be, but United can't really be bitter rivals of a mid-table team. <laughs> Like, yeah, brilliant. And then Steph's like, why don't you just support a good team? I was like, yeah, I don't really work like that. Yeah. I was like, trust me, if I didn't have to support United, I would not. Yeah, I mean, that's an argument that's been made as the reason that people started supporting yeah. United in the first place when they were successful. Can that part stay in the podcast? About him admitting that he doesn't want to be part of United. <laughs> I'll add that into like the outtakes afterwards. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to the show. Um, just a quick shout-out for uh, our Patreon. As I said, we are still working on things to uh, to improve, um, but our Patreon is still live and running. So if you want to support the show and help us improve the quality of the show, improve getting new equipment, you will probably notice, actually, there's not a great deal of squeaking this week. Mm. That's because not because I've got rid of the chairs. They are unfortunately still here. Out. We've got garden furniture in here. <laughs> it doesn't squeak. It's really comfy. Yeah, it is actually more comfortable. It's nice. <laughs> Which is fine during the summer when we've got the doors open. Yeah. I'm going to get it. But when it's pissing down with rain. And these well, are freezing cold. Yeah. I have to get them in like an hour early. And <laughs> for so, uh, yeah, right. We're going to talk quickly about our new prediction league. So listeners to the show will know that last week we had Lee Bonfield on from FPL Family um, and the World of Oracle. And as per our new little feature, we are doing a little prediction league where we ask our guests to predict the scores for the upcoming weekend's games. Um Unfortunately, Lee didn't do very well this week. Smashed it. Um, so just, <laughs> <laughs> so just to just to reiterate the scoring system. So it was ten points if you got the correct score line. Um, you got five points if you guessed the correct score, but got it the wrong way round. I thought I'd just throw a little curveball in there. So, for example, if Leeds won two one and you and you said that, which is what Dan actually did, um, but if it was two one to Wolves, you get five points for getting the right number of goals, basically, but the wrong way round. And three points if you got the correct prediction but the wrong score line. So, in other words, if you correctly guessed it was four, uh, sorry, you said three nil Spurs, but it ended up four one. You've guessed the Spurs one, so you would get three points for that. Um, so just to run through the uh, predictions, so um, Dan guessed that Alice, uh, Arsenal would win 3-1 and Lee guessed 1-0 for Arsenal. Uh, sorry, Dan predicted 3-1 Arsenal. It was obviously 2-0. Um, Fulham Liverpool, you both went for big Liverpool wins. Lee went 2-0, you went 4-0. Of course, very uh, very wrong there, as I mentioned, yeah. lots of people were. Uh, Villa, Bournemouth, again, I don't think any, really, anyone really had Bournemouth no. down to win that one, not 2-0 anyway. Um, so that one was a no. Uh, the first good one for you, though, Dan, was that you correctly guessed 2-0 for Forest, uh, sorry, Newcastle against Forest. Um, Lee guessed 3-1 Newcastle, so a couple of points there. Tottenham and Southampton, you both went 3-0, obviously 4-1, so again, three more points. Leeds-Wolves, Dan correctly guessed 2-1 to Leeds. Uh, Lee went one all. Everton-Chelsea, Lee actually went for a high-scoring 2 all. Uh, which I thought was ambitious at the mm. time. Um, you went 2-0 Chelsea, ended up 1-0 Chelsea. Uh, so you actually need um, three more points there, Dan. So oh, you yeah. actually did better than we originally thought. <laughs> um, Leicester against Brentford. Uh, you both went 1-0 Leicester, finished 2-2. Manchester United-Brighton. Um, you both went for a United win. It finished 2-1 Brighton. West Ham-Man City uh, finished 2-0 to City, which was correctly guessed by Dan Lee going for one apiece. So what that means is, is that Dan... I th- 39 points you're gonna that's gonna be tough for you mm. to actually beat this season i suspect three correct score lines uh lee unfortunately got nine points <laughs> so uh lee goes on to the uh onto the leaderboard you'll be happy to know he is top of the leaderboard <laughs> um dan hall goes one nil up against the guests we'll make a note of your best score of the season as well dan uh as we go 
Uh, and then obviously at the end of the season as we get more guests on and fans of the show whoever comes top of that little guest leaderboard at the end of the season will get a little prize so thank you very much Lee for playing last week Um, right we're going to do a quick transfer update and we won't go through this in as much detail as we have done in the past because we've got lots of other things to talk about but uh, Dan why don't you talk us through what's going on in the world of transfers Uh, so Barcelona hope to sign Chelsea wingback Marcus Alonso by Monday I mean, if you're Marcus Lonzo, do you want to go to Barcelona? Because <laughs> certain our bench of players we can't use. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm genuinely, I'm desperately trying to get a Spanish journalist to come on the show because I need to know what the fuck is going on at Barcelona because this is turning into an absolute shit show now. Mm. So the latest news today on this, there's been two pieces of information. One is that apparently now Barcelona are threatening legal action against uh, Frankie de Jong because apparently they've got evidence of criminality involved with his new contract that he signed that will make his new contract null and void. So, I mean, that strikes to me of desperation that yeah. they're trying anything. But also now, Pete, you were across this as well. They they tried some kind of accountancy trick that inflated the value of their club or inflated their earnings. The Liga have turned around and said, no, that's not going to count towards your earnings. But what you are going to do is pay capital gains tax yeah. on it <laughs> and you're going to pay 40 million <laughs> capital gains to the gains tax, which now goes against them on their profit sheet. So they're actually in a worse position than they were at the beginning of the day. So... Yeah, it's this is just it's never ending. This like this river of shit that is flowing towards the new camp right now. As far as we know, none of the new players they've signed this summer, whether they were on free transfer or not, can be registered, and none of them have been registered. No. So their first game is this weekend, which Dan is going to be in Barcelona, <laughs> um, and I'm sure uh, we'll talk about when he comes back on the show the week after next. They can't register any, so you're not going to see any of those new players. <laughs> oh, no, <it's> so <laughs> I might be sat next to him. Yeah, so you might be in the crowd with them. Um, but yeah, and, and obviously they've now got, obviously you can register players of transfer and they're still open, so they've effectively got until the end of August to get the situation sorted, to get them registered. Do you think they're going to get this sorted? I feel like they have to. They're going to find a way. Yeah, I they? feel like they'll find it. They can't have signed all these players and just hang them out to dry. I mean, what happens, let's just say for argument's sake, we, we spoke about this the other week about what would happen. I thought about this. The only thing I can think that would happen was they'd have to loan them out mm. and and try and get whoever loans them to pay their entire wage yeah. because otherwise they've just signed six world-class players that they're probably paying at least a hundred pounds to £200,000 a week that literally can't play. They're not injured. They yeah. just can't play. It is astonishing, this situation. This could be a masterclass from United now. It's taken Lewandowski. Yeah, maybe this is their plan all along. It's got nothing to do with Frankie De Jong. He's, he's the full guy in all this. He's just the, the smokescreen. So, yeah, I mean, we're going to try and find out if we can get a Spanish journalist on the show. I think it'd be really interesting. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's an incredible situation that they're still trying to find players, knowing full well that they're not in a position to register them. It's incredible. It really is. Um, yes, Everton expect to complete the signing of Connor Cody this week. Or is it it's it's done? A season long loan. Oh, loan. 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 That's really weird. Full agreement now signed. He's complete his medical test today. With a view to buy or? Uh, Fabrizio has just said it's a season long loan. I really don't understand because he was, he was captain of Wolves. Yeah, he, he was. Now, I, I, I had heard that there was pressure from his family to move back to Merseyside because he is, he's a, oh, okay. a Liverpool fan. Yeah, his family's from Merseyside. Well, but this is exactly, this is the thing. So he's gone to Everton, yeah. the Mortal Enemies. So I wonder how his family's going to take that one. But um, I find that really strange to go from Wolves to Everton, when, when especially when you're captain of Wolves. I can on only alone th- as well. Yeah, I can only think that um, 
the loan is because of Everton's maybe financial fair play restrictions. They've oh, well, that, that that was my thought, but yeah, I mean a, a season long loan, considering he is part of the first team, isn't he? Like he's a starter. Uh, yeah, I mean the only th- the, the 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 constant criticism with um with Connor Cody is that he can't play in a four. And he can only play in a three. And I don't know whether Wolves lined up with a four or a three, but he didn't play at the weekend. He didn't, Possi- yeah. Possibly because the rumour, you know, that he yeah, was heading yeah. out. But um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how he's integrated to Everton. Now, obviously, they did they lose Yerry Mina again at the weekend, Everton? I think they did, didn't they? Yeah. So, and Godfrey. And yeah, Godfrey went off with a mm. potentially serious looking injury. So, I didn't realise how big Yerry Mina is. He's an yeah, absolute he's massive, giant of a man, isn't he? Um, but unfortunately, he's probably the most injury prone player I've ever seen. He's probably even worse than Andy Carroll. At least he could get a run of seven or eight games. He was one of the ones before he got injured. kicking the penalty spot against England, wasn't he? Yeah, I don't think there'd be a lot of sympathy <laughs> for him getting injured as much as he does from England fans. So, yeah, I think obviously Conor Cody's going to walk straight into that team. He's probably going to end up going alongside Tarkovsky in the Everton's defence. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see. Maybe he can dispel the rumour that he can't play in a four. defence if you have them two, though. Potentially. I mean, as we said, can he play in a four? I guess we'll find out because I think Everton don't play a five today. So, um, no. yeah, we'll, we'll find out. Um, we'll also complete the sign of... I really hate players with really difficult names to pronounce. But have a go, Gon- Gonzalo Guedes from Valencia. Okay. You could probably guess where he's from. Well, Gonzalo, mm. I'm going to guess he's got to be Argentinian or... or uh, uh, Uruguay and one of the two. Maybe you can't guess. Portuguese wolves, man. Oh, I see. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, sorry. That's my bad. Um, Thirty million. Thirty million. He's decent on FIFA. I mean, I don't know what he's like in real life. Oh, he's he's good on FIFA. Yeah. What's he like a foot manager though? That's the real family well, knowledge. Yeah. So, but yeah, no. It's um, on LMA. So, what position is he? Sorry, winger. Winger. Mm. Do they need another winger? Well, I just said striker was. I more think Traore is injured. Um, you still got Poland, yeah. They probably need Neto, a striker more than anything. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, it's you know, it's a needed signing. I think um, it was quite evident evident at the weekend that uh, Wolves again looked a little short in front of goal mm. at times. So we'll see how he does. Um, Timo Werner's gone to RB Leipzig. Yes, he's gone back there, hasn't he? Mm. Is this a permanent deal? Yeah. yeah. So I'm gutted for him in a way because he seems like he's he's a really um, positive footballer he seemed to you know just want you just wanted him to do well mm. but it just did not work for him at no, Chelsea thought, at all did I he? thought it was Salzburg that he went to was it Leipzig I saw Leipzig earlier I'll be honest okay. oh. yeah um, no, I think because the, the thing was he said he went back to yeah which okay. is where because he was there yeah, when, yeah, when yeah, they brought him from there yeah it's a it's um it's a, it's, it is a shame I think that um there was there was a a time where you know he he scored a few goals, I think, when he first went there, and you thought, "Oh my, you know, this player is going to be something, isn't it?" And then just never amounted. It's just the Chelsea uh, curse, isn't it? It is. Yeah, I mean, he didn't, have, he didn't even have the number nine, and he was still cursed. Um, so <laughs> I don't know. Good luck to him. Yeah, um, Villarreal pushing to sign Lacelso. Never really worked out for him. Either, no, but... he's another one of those signings where they were just desperately trying to find somebody fit into that right-sided striker role mm. that just didn't work. So I think. Conte's not only done a great job of finding somebody to fit but he's now building a decent team around it and I think he's probably now just getting rid of it a bit of Deadwood yeah. balancing the books a little bit with some of the money they've spent um, so yeah alright uh, moving on then let's get back to uh, some of the weekend's games got a few more we're going to go through uh, let's go to the London Stadium West Ham against last season's champions Man City um, 
I mean, I could have predicted how this game was going to go before this game started because this is classic Moyes. I did predict it. You did predict it. You're absolutely <laughs> right, you did. Uh, this is classic Moyes. It's the inferiority complex again where you set up to to stifle them and just hope that you get a nil-nil, maybe even nick a one-nil. And the problem is, is that as soon as that doesn't work, you to shift away from that mentality is very difficult to do mid-game. Um, so, yeah, I was... Part of me got a little bit excited in the first five minutes when we started mm-hmm. all right, created one or two half chances, um, and then City just took over and just were in total control of that game. I think, I don't even know whether Man City ever really got out of second gear. I think if they wanted to, they could have beaten us by four or five if they really wanted to. I think they were that dominant. Um, I thought Antonio was poor. He just did not hold that ball up at all, which doesn't help. When you're playing as a one-up, and you're under the cosh, you need your striker to give you a bit of relief, and he just did not hold the ball up. And actually, Skamatka, when he came on, yeah. he made a difference. He did hold well, the ball. I guess he's a player that can do that. He was holding the ball up, he was winning headers. You know, Definitely he was... thought that Antonio came off too late. Yes, I would agree. Been introduced a lot um, I, I do think that ultimately it was, it was unlikely to make a difference, but yeah, I think you're right. I think he probably I mean, had, he, had, he had a good minutes. effort on goal. It was just... A shame. It had a lot of power in his header. Yeah, he just went straight into Edison's. Um, yeah, he, he was offside. Anyway, I wonder whether but... he'll buckle a bit now that he knows that there is a replacement for him. Who Antonio? Yeah, I mean, some he's... players thrive on the competition, and some players buckle. He's he's mentioned in the past that he's desperate for another striker to come mm. in, probably because he wants a bit of a break. Uh, but also, you know, he, at least he says anyway that he wants that competition. He hasn't had any competition now for two years probably even three years, because Halle was never really mm. competition for him anyway. So it's, it's a good thing. I think our season, no, it's a cliche, but our season definitely starts next week against Forest. You know, you can... 2-0 against City is absolutely not the worst, yeah. you know, the it end just of the seemed, world. It just seemed a bit rushed. As soon as you got into as close as you could in front of the goal, everything was rushed, mm. especially Declan Rice in the second half, and you have that chance on the outside of the box. Yeah. He could have... He was already coming in, just take the touch out to the right, and give yourself some time. Everything was just so rushed. Yeah, I think um, ultimately, a bit like the Mitrovic conversation earlier, when you're playing City, if you get that one chance, you have to take yeah. it. Um, and I was really disappointed. I think Bowen was quite quiet uh, in the game. He, you know, he was their thorn in, thorn in their side of the return at the fixture at the end of last season. And I thought he was very quiet. So Ariola's obviously the number one then. Well, no, he wasn't. Fabianski, Fabianski started. Was Fabianski? Fabianski started, got injured, went oh, off, and then okay. Ariola came on and gave away the penalty. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah. And I saw the highlights, so I saw Ariola in goal, and I thought... So, oh, okay, Harlan so. clocked him. It was completely accidental, but Harlan clocked him going up for a 50-50 ball. Uh, okay. um, and then obviously, Fabianski's come off worse. I don't know what it was, maybe a dead leg or something in the right. hip, maybe. But, yeah, he had to go off. Edison came off worse, didn't he? That was right at the start of the game, that big old whack. Massive, yeah. Eye. Um, so yeah I think from a West Ham point of view I'm not reading too much into it at all I'm disappointed that it's still this if, if you want to be taken seriously as a top six contender um, which some people think we are some people think we aren't you have to go into those games with a bit more of a positive attitude I feel like is I mean I guess my question to you guys if you're a fan of West Ham in this situation do you think that a 2-0 defeat in the manner that we lost yesterday playing very defensive sort of that boring style, do you think that is worse than really going for it and losing 4-0? What's, what's, what's better, do you think, from a team morale point of view, from a fan morale point of view? What's, what's, what would you want to see? Do you think 2-0 or a 4-0, but playing better? Uh, well, I think you just look at Fulham. Um, like They're exciting to watch, and the way they were pressing and stuff. I think if they'd have lost 3-0, I 
I feel like as a fan, you would have still been fairly happy because you watched your team go for it. Yeah. You watched them attack. You like watched them press. Whereas if you're watching your team just sit back and take a beat in, it's not really fun to watch. But it's not only that, but surely from a morale point of view, it's got to be pretty hard because mm. you, you just know mentally you're never in the game and you're mm. not really never in... It's, well, it's, it's always going to be difficult to come up against City, especially having Haaland and the changes they have in their squad now. You don't know what you're going to come up against. You yeah. know you're going to come up against a quality side, but to be the first ones tested at home to City is not going to be easy. No. Well, I think, obviously... doesn't justify it, but... No, 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 I know. Obviously, City and Liverpool are out of this world in terms of the Premier League, but I feel like teams like Bournemouth can be expected to go into that sort of game with their tails between their legs, but a team like West Ham, I feel like, should be trying to battle with the big boys. I mean, we we beat Chelsea and Liverpool at home last year because mm. we had a much more... We played in a, in a similar fashion, but we were much more of that Fulham press, mm. and when we got the ball, we were much more... Um, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Um, adventurous when we had the ball. We wanted to get players forward. We wanted to get players in the box. Whereas against City, I didn't really see any mm. of that. Now, that's partly because Man City just keep the ball so damn well that, you know, you just don't... I mean, there was one point, there was a stat, I think, towards the end of the first half, where City had about 210 completed passes and West Ham at 25. Mm. That tells you the level of dominance. He was 80% possession in the first half of City. Wow. So we were dominating, but I do feel like we let them do it for a large degree of that so we move on next week against Forest is a massive game for us because you don't want to be in a situation where you're three four games in still searching for that first win what about the stupid wall that you've put up between you and the away fans as well you've seen that I have not actually no what's this no I've not seen this they've put up like a a purple board so that the uh, the home and away fans can't see each other no way really I mean the it's it's a bad enough stadium as it is I'm sorry but it's just (laughs) made it look even worse Uh, I'll just try to find it Thing is, as a, as a visual stadium, I think it's stunning, but there are still certain elements of that that's just not a football stadium. It's just the running track for me. I don't like being a mile away from the pitch. Well, so apparently, I mean, they've squared off parts of it again during the summer, so they've made it a little bit closer for certain areas. But the problem is, until you have a complete redesign, all you're doing is pulling the stadium forward and having an even bigger gap where they've got that stupid walkway, the gangway. Oh, for fuck's sake, that's stupid, isn't it? <laughs> It's literally like those, like those things you get in offices and divide the uh, divide the, the but, little. Uh, but what, the what they've course. done is yeah. they've only done it to one side. They've not done it to the other side, and it was it was to stop the hurling of items between. Yeah, I mean that wall needs to be about yeah. 20, <laughs> twenty feet taller if they want to stop that. Um. So yeah, you, I don't know. Um. Did you see the Hearts? Oh, you probably wouldn't have seen the Hearts Hibernian game, but did you see what happened in the Hearts Hibernian game? I saw uh, a highlight on Sky Sports News. Uh, but I don't know what are you referring to in particular about the player getting stuff thrown at him oh yes didn't they throw out of Watsits or something no chips oh is it chips <laughs> <laughs> and they're all stuck in his air and stuff I mean at the price of chips at grounds nowadays you're really wasting them <laughs> so at West Ham there was a thing on, on Twitter actually Coke, Coke was £4.70 for a bottle of Coke oh, a pint £7.90 Jesus. for a pint of like beer and or Peroni I mean, in fairness, West Ham don't set those prices. That's set by the, the landlord and the owner. Uh, um, but interesting, another story about West Ham this week. So the obviously it, the stadium has been largely funded by the taxpayer in, in what's an amazing deal for West Ham, but I can understand why the taxpayer would be annoyed. Um, apparently, the taxpayer has to pay the entire cost for our Europa Conference games this year because uh, when they <laughs> drew up the contract, the Conference League didn't exist. So they found a loophole. So then, so literally, the taxpayers paid. West Ham haven't got to pay a penny for a Thursday night European game at the London Stadium. Wow, that's some horseshit, that isn't it? But I can't knock the deal they've made because they're getting an unbelievable deal out yeah. of it. Yeah. So 
Kurt Zuma, so where John Stones has been fined or going to be fined because the camera panned towards him when Zuma got injured or whatever happened to him and he was there singing that's how your cat felt fucking <laughs> <laughs> hell he's, no, he's never going to live that down is he <laughs> So, um, but anyway, uh, let's move on to City then. Um, as we've spoken about, they were at their imperious best at times. Um, what do we make of, of Haaland's performance? He's oh, taken the headlines. My team. He was <laughs> okay. I'm too late now. Yeah. Yeah, he's a pretty good player. <laughs> I must admit, we, we, we spoke in the show, and I've been a big advocate of wanting people to be a little bit cautious about thinking that he's going to be this sort of God-level player in the, in the City team. And we've spoken about what his strengths were at Dortmund and how whether or not they'll translate across. But actually, I saw one or two glimpses of how perhaps he can work in that mm. City team. So I've always thought about the, the second goal, frankly, was classic Haaland, right? Mm. West Ham pushing up. Pace. He gets the running behind it. No one in the Premier League is going to catch him with the exception of one or two defenders. Um, and as long as he's clinical, which most of the time he is, he's going to score. So when you've he, got a player like Kevin De Bruyne playing those exactly. balls through to I you. mean, part of me looked at that and thought, Jesus Christ, is, is Haaland and De Bruyne going to be the new Kane and yeah. Son for, from a fantasy league point of view? Um, but actually, some of the movement off the ball in tight areas, certainly for the first goal, the penalty where he, he won that, there was one where he almost got a hat-trick um, uh, with his uh, header, where he just made a little jolt to the near post. That yeah. was what I was actually more impressed with because actually he showed me that he can operate in those tight areas. He can create a little chance out of nothing. He looks seriously dangerous in that squad. So. 21 as well, isn't he? I forget how young he is. Mm. It's, it's quite scary. And I think maybe we could, Man City are going to dominate the ball in a lot of games. But as soon as they get that goal, most teams are going to naturally want to step out a little and that's where Harlan's going to be even more dangerous mm. because if he gets that little bit of space in behind, as I said, you're not going to catch him. I'm just having nightmares about Harland up against Maguire and Martinez. Oh, no, no. So when, when's the Man- Manchester derby? God knows. Two weeks, isn't it? No, is it? We've got Liverpool in a couple of weeks. Oh, well, Liverpool. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that, that uh, first game could be Even Nunes against Maguire. He's <laughs> playing seven at the back. Well, apparently, so is um, Welbeck against Maguire. Man. Forget, Har- forget Nunes and Harland. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think... I don't think we really learned a great deal about City that we didn't already know. Um, Grealish has obviously been talked about a lot this year as, as whether this is meant to be, this is going to be his year to really stand out. How did you rate his performance? He he was the one that started off that second goal. He was playing up on the left. He went cut in to the centre-back, pushed it across to De Bruyne, and that's, other than De Bruyne having his incredible vision to <laughs> put that ball through. I think he's got a real chance this season to really cement his place in that team because now they've sold the likes of Jesus and and who are Sterling. Sterling yeah. You know, they've, they've got less winger and Ferran mm. Torres obviously less last season. So there's not as many wingers before. They've sort of had eight people they could rotate around. <laughs> um, and, he, some and he players, tends to play Bernardo more centrally. Yeah. Um, I think the only competition he's really got is Alvarez who does look like a really decent player. So he has got a kick into gear and start cementing his place but if he keeps starting then he can you know we all know Grealish is a good player um and he's like I say he's just got to knuckle down and really cement that place as his own Mm. absolutely right then um we've left it long enough (laughs) we've left it long enough third season of the kickabout podcast Dan is yet to have a positive um thing to say about United I think and we start this season the way we finished the last with a Man United um I mean, woeful display at times, mm. wasn't it? Um, 
I mean, is it fair to say before before we let let Dan off the lead and off he goes? Um, is it fair to say though that we were probably all a bit taken aback at actually how poor United were? Were we expecting more from them? I think. Yeah, I'd um, gotten slightly optimistic, and which was you know I'm the fool there really. <laughs> Um, I think it was pre-season. We we saw how United played pre-season and some of the goals they scored were like Barcelona-esque. Um, but I think we just, you know, as soon as it came to a competitive game, we saw how far behind United really are, to be honest. Yeah. I'm... And just quickly to say that I don't want to completely go on and on, you know, because Brighton were unreal. They, was, yeah. they really deserved it. Yeah, I mean, it was a game that kind of ebbed and flowed, wasn't it? Because the first sort of five, ten minutes, there were just a few signs. Okay, United are... You know, they've got their heads out here. The confidence is high. Bruno Fernandes obviously misses that guilt-edge chance on the edge of the box. Um, Rashford looked lively. You know, mm. things looked like they were falling into place. And I think actually, in the same way we were expecting Man United to be better than they were, I think we were all probably expecting Brighton to be worse than they were, given that they've lost Cucurella and Bissouma, yeah, yeah. two massive I thought it was a real chance for us, yeah. being they'd lost their two sort of best players. Um, Brighton never won at Old Trafford as well before before yesterday, so massive yeah. result for them. Um, and then, yeah, the game just sort of seemed to swing, but Brighton got a hold of the ball. Um, Man United were making basic errors in possession. Their their positioning off the ball started to really slip, and, and they just could not live with the likes of Adam Lallana, with Pascal Gross, with Danny Welbeck in particular, who I thought was absolutely outstanding. Never rolled back the years. That, you? <laughs> no, I mean, Welbeck rolled back the years with his performance. He was absolutely outstanding. So he was I mean, against us last season as well. Actually. I mean, I guess some former players always have a point to prove, don't they? Yeah, I mean, I think that he's probably left United long enough ago that that's probably passed now. But it was astonishing. I just don't quite understand what is going on at United now because you look at that performance and you look at the players they've got. I wonder if Ten Hag is looking at that and he maybe he didn't even realize. Maybe he's seen them in preseason, thinking, "Yeah, okay, we've got a bit of a team here." Well, and now he's seen them in a competitive Premier League game. What does he think about the likes of McTominay and Fred? All and- at, at the start of the season, all his sort of press conferences and stuff, he was saying, you know, this team finished second two seasons ago. Last season was a bad... And I genuinely think, like, Richard Arnold, the Glazers, maybe even Ten Hart, all just thought that last season was a one-off. It was a bad season. We finished second the season before. It's all the same players. We'll go out this season with a fresh manager, a couple of new signings. And we'll, you know, everything will be, for, be rosy. We'll battle for second again, and I, I genuinely think, and that, that's why I, I said that the Avram Glaze was there, Richard Myrtle was there, um, Arnold was it Richard Arnold and Richard Arnold, yeah, Ferguson, yeah, but the whole <laughs> Brady bunch were there, and <laughs> and I genuinely think they're all sat there with their popcorn, just waiting for the goals to go in, and you know, all the fans cheering and buying the scarves and shirts on the way out, and. They really hit them in the face. And then what happens the next day? Oh, we signed two players out of nowhere. Who's the second? Rabiot and Arnautovic. We've, well, we had him rejected and we've gotten straight in with a second bid. Have you really? I mean, mm. that... Arnautovic. Mm. I knew they... I knew like 10 years ago. Yeah, me. Well, yeah. He's, 30, he's at Bologna right now. He's yeah. 32, 33 years old. I 34, I think. Is he 34? Yeah. I mean, this is... This smacks of panic. But we and, do it every season. We, we you know, we sign signed Falcao last minute and it was a disaster. Yeah, but you've got three weeks of the transfer yeah. left yet. Why are we panicking right now? It's I mean, I'm not suggesting Arnautovic is a bad player, but there is absolutely no way at 34 years old he is going to be the player that was at West Ham four or five years ago. I was thinking earlier, it really reminds me of us on LMA. Like, 
you know, we, yeah. we sell a few players <laughs> and then like I'm trying to sign players and everyone's saying, oh, no, we don't want to go. We don't want to go. And I'm like, shit, who's on the transfer list? And they're like, Borriello, Liam Miller. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's an astonishing um, transfer window that United have had so far because Rabiot is a player that's never really stood out anywhere mm. he's been. He's been at Real Madrid, he's been at PSG, he's been at Juventus, he's been at some big teams and been bit part player at absolute best at all of them. Um, I don't think he's much of an upgrade whatsoever on what you've currently no. got. Um, Arnautovic, as we say, is is a good striker, but he's not exactly a future thinking, you know, a forward thinking signing. Um, you know, you might as well have just kept Cavani if mm. you're going to sign Arnautovic, really. I just don't see why they would sign him. I don't think he'd probably be a championship striker. Yeah. Not, not a top six. Well, there's a reason that when, you know, after he left us and he made the big song and dance about wanting to go to China... Um, there's a reason that when his contract ran up at China that the best club he could go to was Bologna. Yeah, yeah. There's a reason for that. Um, and oh, he's not done bad there. His goal scoring record is actually mm. pretty reasonable there in fairness to him. But let's, with the greatest of respect, this is Serie A we're talking about. But like the whole, they made a big thing about like, oh, you know, we really need to rebuild. This is a new, Edward Wood's gone, Richard Arnold's in now. This is going to be a new United. And the transfer window has probably been the worst I've ever seen. Yeah, and the, the bar point. was set very low as it was. Mm. I mean, we've we've spent three months chasing after Frankie de Jong and now we're suddenly going for Rabiot. Did they just realise during the Brighton game that Frankie de Jong's probably not going to come? <laughs> I could have told them that in May, June and July, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's just, a, it's weird. I mean, Rich, so Richard Keyes, we were talking about this before the show, uh, Richard Keyes, who who does yeah. what does what he can to stay relevant on Twitter, being that he, you know, fired from Sky all those years ago, and I think he's in the, the Al Jazeera network now, um, or wherever he is, and he often likes to send a provocative tweet that causes controversy. And he, in fairness to him, he made a pretty reasonable point that you look at United harbour ambitions, which you know, whichever way you look at this, Man United still harbour ambitions at being that top club again. They want to get back in in amongst the mix. City signed Haaland big, strong, tall striker, pacey striker. Darwin Nunez, quite big, tall and strong. You've got um, Harry Kane, big, tall and strong. Ivan Tony, Ivan Tony, All these strikers in the Premier League, that almost that traditional number nine is sort of making a little bit of a mini comeback, you could say. I mean, there, there's it's not the traditional nine in the sense that they're just a big player you lump it up to. Those players have all got much more to their game than the old school number nines did. But... For May United to go out and sign a five foot seven centre back for fifty odd million does <laughs> does raise some eyebrows. Mm. You know, does that really does that sort of centre back really work in this league? Maybe they think that it's fine because we've got Maguire to win the Edders and Martinez can do everything else. But like Maguire is not mobile enough mm. to be able to cover the distance on the pitch to make sure he's in those positions to win those headers in the first place. So the, it's just a really odd transfer. The difference United. it made when Ericsson and. Donny van der Beek got put into our two central midfield positions. Like the creativity just completely transformed and we yeah. started dominating the game. And I mean, we had like 70% possession, which is great. It's nice to start seeing us controlling the ball, but we're still losing 2-1 to Brighton. Yeah. And you can hold the ball as much as you want, but if you're doing absolutely bugger all with it, it's completely pointless. I mean, you know, some of the listeners might be listening to us thinking, you know, why are you going in so hard United this first game of the season? Oh, trust game. me, I'd, after last season, I thought I really don't want to be as negative well, as the, I was this is, last This season. is the problem though, isn't it? Because even though it's Ten Hag's first game and we do have to give him way more yeah, time. Yeah, I, I don't blame Ten Hag at um, all. The problem is for United fans is that this is just literally like Groundhog Day. Mm. Uh, they're seeing the same players make the same mistakes in it under a third different manager mm. now. Um, and I, I, think, I think the main issue in that game was the communication 
I mean, first of all, McTominay was, McTominay was lucky not to see red against Cassiano because that was a horrific. That was not a good challenge. He was very lucky. But like, what I noticed most was it was the partnership, a new partnership that we had of Martinez and Maguire. They got spun round multiple times mm. by Danny Welbeck, and they, you know, they were out of position. The communication was not there. They're looking over one shoulder, and you've got Martinez pointing at his back, mark this player, and by that time that there's two, and then they're in four. There's there's no communication there. McCoy. I think that's what let them down. Maguire's interview at the end as well was, was uh, we're a new centre-back partnership yeah. and hopefully we'll start to keep Which clean is, sheets true. soon. It's true. I mean, I personally, I'm not going to go too hard on them, mainly because I support them and I'll leave that to you because it's funny to listen to. <laughs> but, but I think they, they did show promise in the second half mm. and I wouldn't put the brakes on and be worried about them. No, but, I think but it, it happens... Was it... Last season, maybe even the season before, that we kept saying United have to go one or two goals down to win a game, mm. and we kept doing it. We'd go like a goal down, two goals down, and then somehow we'd win through two, and it became like a, a rolling thing. Yeah, but it's just it annoys me more the fact that it takes us to go two 0 down to start playing proper football. Yeah, I, th- I think what probably annoys me United fans the most, and I'm sure you'll agree with me, is the fact that you're, you know, I think you probably thought that the transfer window was going to be a lot better than it has been. I think you expected your starting level of the first game of the season to be a lot different than it was. Mm. I mean, other than Martinez, there was no other new signings in that starting lineup. Am I right in saying? Ericsson. Was he? Oh, he was in the starting lineup. No, you're right. He, well, he did start, didn't he? So, yeah, I, I think that the fact that you've still not been able to sign a decent CDM, the fact that you've you've gone after Dion for as long as you have and seemingly not looked elsewhere is, is incredible. I mean, um, how we've had that central midfield partnership for three, four years now is beyond me. <laughs> it's amazing. It is actually amazing. How has no one realised that that is the key problem in this team? Yeah, I mean, we were saying actually about whether, why did United not go with just one in front? You know, did they show too much respect to Brighton by mm. setting up with two? But that again might just be a combination of not trusting that one of those two players on their own could do the job and also that they didn't trust the back four that they could be protected enough by just having one player in front because the defence was vulnerable as well. I think they just come as a partnership. It's like having Anton Deck in midfield. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, but yeah, it's. I think next it'd be interesting to see what Ten Hag does because he he obviously strikes me as much more of a hard taskmaster than the last two guys you had. Mm-hmm. I suspect there'll be some uh, strong words said. I think you'll probably see a very different starting lineup next weekend. I'd be amazed if. Martial's not back in the side as long as he's fit if he's not in there I'll be amazed again if they don't start Ronaldo next mm. week um, so yeah I think maybe we'll you know it's easy to criticise right now we can see there's problems we can see there's issues in the club still which you know are heightened when the team puts, puts in a poor performance I mean this game against Brentford is going to be massive now because we need those three points and we've got Liverpool the week after yeah so you know if we get zero points from three games that's mm. that's really really and Brentford bad. is not an easy place to go no. and they showed it the weekend they're very resilient mm. um, you know they've got some good players so I think it's going to be a difficult game for United next week but hey if they turn up and suddenly perform really well and win the game 2-3-0 comfortably you know, all of a sudden the, the, the mood changes somewhat. Mm. Um, there still obviously will be issues there that people will be upset I mean, about. It's going to take time, especially under a new manager, and I'm not going to, like, jump the gun. And I'm, in no way do I blame the manager at all. I mean, look at what he's got to work with. It's, <laughs> it's really not easy. But 
it just annoys me that we just keep getting sold the same old lie. Yeah. And I genuinely don't think any of the sort of board watch any games. <laughs> well, they were there this weekend. Yeah, but... and, and then obviously straight away we start signing two players. So yeah. Do you reckon they were looking at each other going, is this what it's normally like? <laughs> is this what it's been like for two years? Oh, right, I, I get it now. Okay. Midfield's <laughs> actually quite crap, isn't it? <laughs> Oh dear. Right. Okay. On to um, the last game we're going to review in any kind of detail. Uh, let's talk Everton against Chelsea. Um, I picked this up primarily because um, there was a number of sort of transfers that happened between those two teams. Mm. A team, both teams, kind of in an odd place at the minute, not really knowing what to exactly expect. Um, a game where both teams realistically were playing without a properly recognised number nine. So probably not surprising that it was a scrappy game with no real quality in front of goal. Um, we'll start with Everton. Um, Anthony Gordon did his best, bless him, but with no Calvert-Lewin now again for a considerable amount of time by the sound of it, they're in trouble, aren't they? Mm. Because they don't look like they've got many goals in them at Where's all. Where's Wondon? They don't look like they've got many goals in them at all, <laughs> do they? So, um... <laughs> yeah, he was on the... I don't even think he got off the bench. So, you know, that tells you what Lampard thinks yeah. of Rondon, uh, that they don't have a recognised number nine and he still doesn't get on the pitch. It's like Jesus at Man City the mm. other year. Um, so yeah, I mean, what do you what do you guys think of Everton? They've obviously just made these two new signings. Um, sorry, one two new signings, one new signing, two new signings because Anana is about to come in, isn't he? Yeah. From Lille, they yeah. <laughs> got that Venegra. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll skip over that yeah. one because he decided that Everton was a better fit for him than West Ham was apparently. But anyway, so they got him coming in. They're still working on Igana Gay. They got Cody coming in. So they've, they've actually made a lot more signings than I think we thought they would. They started be allowed off really to be. slow. Yeah. Uh, well, I think I don't think we thought they were going to be allowed to be. Yeah. You know, it wasn't so long ago there was threatening threatening of points deductions because mm. of the financial fair play. They saw one player, and all of a sudden now they're bringing in lots more. Well, they so. might have to wait until April for that. That's when the financial year will turn over. So this is true. So yeah, I think I still think they're going to struggle this season though because none of these players they're bringing in are, are goal threats. Um. So I just don't know if Anthony Gordon is the player that's going to fire them into a position of relative safety. Mm. Do you feel that it's going to be a long season for them? Yeah, I think. I mean, obviously they did give Chelsea a game, and it was just down to a penalty in the end. So I think going up against a team like Chelsea and only losing out to a penalty is a pretty good start. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. I would say they looked a lot more organised defensively yeah, yeah. than they did last season under Lampard. Yeah. So there, there is an improvement there. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, yeah, I just it's just that goal thing. It's like the Southampton. I mean, you know, Southampton looked poor at the back, whereas Everton mm. didn't, which is the key difference. Yeah. But you know, you look last season, the number of those teams down the bottom were just struggling to score goals. And if Everton can, they look like they've got a reasonably on paper anyway good defense now with Cody and Tarkowski coming in, Tarkovsky coming in. Sorry, um, they need to find a goal scorer. So it wouldn't surprise me, as assuming they got a bit of money left in the bank to see them maybe mm. making a move for a striker before the uh, window's out. Yeah. Um, on to Chelsea. What did you make of them? I think if I was better than Rudiger. <laughs> I think Big shout. They look like they might struggle a bit this season. Um, they've been linked with Aubameyang. That's a very odd one, that is for mm. me. Um, I, I don't... He only went to Barca in January, didn't he? Uh, yes. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't, that wasn't an all-season thing, I don't no. think. Um, yeah, I I just don't... Was it January? I swear it was January. Aubameyang, yeah, because Lacazette yeah, went like and left the Aubameyang went yeah. off. Yeah. So, I mean, we said, didn't we, when we did our Premier League prediction table, I have, I've actually got them missing out in the Champions League this year. I think Sterling is a good signing, mm. but based on what I saw at the weekend, 
again only one game but I, I'm, I'm not changing my opinion as to how many goals I think he's going to get for Chelsea this year Kai Havertz is not a goal scoring number nine I thought he was Mason Mount until they panned into him <laughs> I know he's the new haircut yeah um, who shared the thing about the clean sheets was that one of you two no oh. Maybe I just saw it on Facebook. He um, put up a post saying, um, oh, yeah, yeah. three points in a clean sheet, good so performance. And then strike. someone was like, why is he talking as if he's a centre-back? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, where's the goals, pal? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I think I think Chelsea, they, they're still active, aren't they? They're still looking at players. They're bringing Cucurella, who you know actually looked okay, given that he's probably only trained for half mm. a day, if that, with Chelsea. He came on off the bench and, looked, and did okay. Um, one thing that did kind of raise an eyebrow or two was the amount of cramp Chelsea players seem to be getting. Koulibaly went down with cramp. Thiago had cramp. Time um, management. <laughs> maybe. Um, I did think that Kante was lazy. He, he was we, not running as much as he usually did. I mean, are we are we suggesting maybe there's a slight fitness issue there with Chelsea? I mean, Tuchel was mentioned before that he didn't think the, the team was... 100% ready for the start of the season. So yeah, maybe I think, that's what he's referring to. Was he one of the managers that moaned the fact that they had to go to the US as well? Probably. I think. Um, yeah, I, I just don't, I really don't know with Chelsea. I think defensively they look pretty good. Koulibaly and Thiago Silva look like they could be quite a strong partnership. Mm. I think we said that they would probably be okay defensively. Reese James and, and, and Chilwell will obviously provide them with that width and that attacking threat from out wide, although Cucurella coming in is couldn't provide ample. Mm. Although rumour is he's going to be the third centre-back of a three, Cucurella, with, yes. with Chilwell yeah, the as, the, as the wing yeah. back. So, yeah, I don't know. I just don't. I just think Chelsea can have a really kind of underwhelming season this year. I think they could be. Uh, I genuinely think they're going to miss out on the Champions League this year. From what I've seen so far, again, first game of the season, mm. but Arsenal and Spurs, everything coming out of both those teams is a is a of those clubs. Sorry, is that they're a team on the up mm. positive signing in the areas that they needed to strengthen um, you know they, they started this season where everything's positive about those two teams right now whereas Chelsea there's just an an awe of caution and negativity and unknown around them at the moment which I think is just deserved and I don't think they're going to score the goals yeah. necessary to, obviously to... transfer window is still open so so much could happen in the next three weeks um, for a lot of those teams like the United and Chelsea and stuff like that so it would be interesting I don't think Aubameyang's the one I feel like that's a, a desperation signing that's not an out of edge signing yeah. for me um, I mean, they've still got Brozier yes yeah, I, I find it weird that Tuchel wanted to keep him because I don't think he's going to use him he did play not, yeah not but I don't think much, yeah but... I feel like he's going to be a. will chuck you on try and win us the game and I can't see him being their number nine no, he's going to, I mean, Brozier's probably going to end up having to settle for Cup and yeah. Europe for now and use that as his way to try and work his way into the team, unless Havertz gets injured or something like that. Mm. But I think, to, to me, it's a no-brainer that Chelsea, especially now they've got rid of Werner, it's a no-brainer that they're going to have to go in and try yeah. and find a striker. I just don't, don't give him the number nine shirt. I don't know if Tuchel's completely sure on what he wants, like, up front, to be honest. What is in terms of how it, yeah, what sort of strike he wants to fit the system? He signed Lukaku, and he signed Havertz, and they're very different players. But was Havertz really signed as a number nine initially, though? Well, did he did he play as a nine at his previous club? No, he played as a can. Right, so, so he's like a Firmino, I think. Yeah, like so I think maybe he's done with with 
Havertz, what like Moyes did with Antonio or, or uh, Moyes did with Arnautovic. Is just that, a filler. He's a filler because they had nobody else and they managed to convert him into a you know, semi-decent yeah. centre-forward but not a long, really a long-term option. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Jury's out, I think, on Chelsea a little bit, but we'll have to see how they go. Big game next week, though, Chelsea against Spurs. That's going to be a, yeah, we'll a great game to watch, I think. Um, right, just very quickly um, on the new boys. Obviously, Pete, you're, you were across the EFL yeah. much more than we were. Um, we've spoken about Fulham and how well they did. Um, ironically, the one team that me and Dan thought would do best of the three teams was the one that did the worst at the weekend. Um, so how did you rate Bournemouth and Forest's attempts this weekend and how they got on? Um, Bournemouth looked really well organised against a Villa side that controlled a lot of the possession. Um, Villa knocked on the door, but they had so many few chances, they just couldn't capitalise. Um, Took their goals yeah. very well as well. The, one, the first one was scrappy, the second one was a yeah. fantastic header, albeit he was afforded a lot of space to do it, but it was a great yeah. header from Kiefer Moore. Absolutely, but I think that also goes down to you know Villa, where it, it goes down to a communication issue again because no one saw him at the back there. No, you had, you had four or five defenders, well, people filling the box, and an aerial threat like Kiefer Moore. Yeah, you don't give him that sort of time. No, absolutely not, especially not in the last ten minutes of the game when you when you're one nil down. Mm. Uh, and what about Forest? Obviously, St James's Park, a very tricky place to go at this moment in time. Newcastle, I thought, looked very good mm. at the weekend. Obviously, we'll talk about them in more detail in the weeks to come. But um, Hell of a goal from Shaw. Cracking goal from Shaw. I actually thought Callum Wilson's goal was very good yeah, as well. Really Such clever. a cute finish. Yeah. Um, you know, There was pretty much nothing he could have done with that attempt other than what he did, and he pulled it off perfectly. But yeah, tough tough, uh, tough place to go. Did you did you see anything from Forrest that... No, they offered... I, they didn't even... Get a shot on target, I don't think. No, they didn't know shots on target. Um, Lingard had a poor game. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> Stop it there, yeah. I think, like you said last one about St. Maximin as well, he, he's so powerful but selfish mm. um, on the Newcastle side. But, you know, we, we can compliment how good St. Maximin can be. But I think Ramirez and Joe Linton. Were the standouts. Uh, Joe Linton is just, he's a different player. Mm. You know, how there was that moment where I think he won a free kick. Um, I don't know whether he got received the ball from somebody else or played like a one two or something, whatever it was he did. But the powerful run, it, it reminded me of Yaya Toure, the way he just sort of strode mm. through and he, he scuffed the shot. Yeah, in the the, end. The, that moment when he scuffed the shot, I thought that's why he's not up front. Yeah, he's in centre. That, that was the old Joe Linton, wasn't <laughs> yeah. it? But the bit before that was the new one. Yeah. Um, but no, Bruno Grimares, I mean, what best, a, best player on the pitch. What a player they've got mm. there. I mean, he, the way he controls that play, he reminds yeah. me a little bit of Fabregas, mm. the way he sort of finds those gaps and passes and everything. So, um, I mean, I thought when we did our Premier League table predictions, I thought that Newcastle would improve this season, yeah. but I didn't think they'd get much higher than about ninth or 10th. But that being said, I wouldn't be particularly surprised if they were a little bit higher. Mm. Um, and based on what I've seen, I think as long as they can keep Wilson fit, which is always key, yeah. Um, with the players they've got in the team and the confidence that's flying through that team, it, the sky could be the limit. Yeah. A lot of pundits are actually saying, don't count, don't uh, count them out for Europa League. I think it's a bit too early. I mean, you're coming up against Nottingham Forest side, which, which we've spoken about, is the, the turnover of the players. Yeah, None of them have really played together. I think mm-hmm. the, sorry, carry on. No, no. It made me laugh at the end that Steve Cooper said, yeah, we need a few more in. Like, Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> was it 11? I think it was 11 he's brought in already. Yeah, I think the the only person that would really stand out for 
the forest was O'Brien. Yeah. I think his positioning was really good, and he, he did cancel um, Gramirez and, and Joe Litton out at times. But other than that, they offered absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be tough. I mean, I did see, I think for the second goal, there was one or two players' body language that, that was a little bit of a red flag to me. There was one or two of the defenders that just the way they looked dejected and were mm. walking around, they were literally walking. And I was like, I don't know if I'm particularly big on seeing a player. I appreciate it was reasonably late on in the game and they probably realised, oh, whatever, we'd already yeah. lost. But I want to see players being passionate enough that they're having a go at people for making mistakes. I don't, I don't want them seeing walking away almost like they don't care. Yeah. So, yeah, massive game next week for, for them and for West Ham. Uh, it's on TV next Sunday. It's the early, the two o'clock game. Um, that could be quite a tasty fixture. So, um, right. Okay, we'll start to round off the show then. As always, we will start with this. Down the stack, man. Erling Haaland is the second debutant in Premier League history to both win a penalty and then successfully convert it. The first person done it for Chelsea in April 2016 against Aston Villa. Who was it? Six years ago. Jorginho? Nope. I don't know whether I'm going too early on this but Eden Hazard no right. I'll narrow it down a bit more and tell you he's Brazilian Brazilian Oscar oh, oh no okay. is that no, you're going with what other Brazilians have they had in their team six years ago position striker he was a bit of a one season well I can't even call him oh Diego Costa no oh I was, I, was really, I was really sure with that one. Brazilian strike. Uh, Pato? Yeah, Alexander Pato. Yeah, he so was definitely... Brazilian. I wouldn't even go... Yeah, he was. I don't even think no, I put him in one season. to Spain. Yeah. Did he? Yeah. He plays for the Spanish national team. Alexander Pato? No, Diogo Costa. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, Pato, I wouldn't even call him a one-season wonder. He was, no, that's why I said like one season, one... then I was like, well, not really a wonder. But... Right, like three games, <laughs> yeah. wonder. <laughs> Yeah, Excellent. Excellent. Sorry, I thought that for some reason I thought there's there was no, a second one. No. Sorry. Um, right then, um, and we round out the show with this. Right, week two of the quiz. Um, just an update, Dan is 1-0 up. It was not a friendly. Um... Brad Friedel. <laughs> <laughs> no, let it go, man. <laughs> right, we'll get straight into it. Um, do, before do... we go, do you want to just we show the buzzers we got this oh, week? Oh, yeah, sorry, yeah. Um, so we think we've synced them up a bit better yours, so there should yeah. be the delay when you press it. Chris did try and cheat and gave mine a five <laughs> second. <laughs> Look, Pete's here. He can see when you push the button, all right? So anyway, uh, my buzzer this week... Oh, that's not works. Hang on. I don't know, Jeff, has it? I must have missed that. It's a red card. So a slightly longer one, but I feel, I feel like you should have the full yeah. the full cami. Yeah. And, and your one, Dan? And mine is... I will love it if we beat them. Love it. <laughs> if Shearer's listening, he'll, like, he'll love that. <laughs> right then. Over okay. to you, sir. So just a reminder of the uh, the rules. I will be keeping an eye on fingers. If there is a... <laughs> cheating going on here I will know 
I'm hovering. <laughs> Shaking. Um, so I'll be saying the players' teams, whether they be permanent or loans. And it's the first one to buzz in. So let's get cracking. So this player started his career at Boca Juniors. Uh, he moved to the Corinthians. West Ham. Damn it. Damn. I was going to I was going to go I, on, I Corinthians. on Corinthians as well. <laughs> I, was, I just wanted that yeah. thing. <laughs> uh is it Carlos Tevez? Yes. Damn it. <laughs> Although it could equally have been Mascherano. I was worried it would be yeah, it'd be either either but so he started at Boca Juniors, Corinthians, West Ham, Man United, Man City, Ooh. Juventus, Boca Juniors. Shanghai Shenhua, which is one of your favourite teams pronounced mm. uh, last season, and Boca Juniors again. Yep. Right. Beautiful. 1-0 to Dan. Second player uh, started his career at Nantes. Well, Nantes, however you spell that, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a French accent, it is actually Nantes. Yeah. It, is, it is Nantes, yeah. <laughs> but he doesn't have a criminal record, that sort of thing, as far as we know. Um, he then moved to Marseille. Celta Vigo, Real Madrid. I will love it if we beat them. Love it. Mm, I think I might miss up there. Is it Karim Benzema? It is not. No. Good shout, Benzema. So I'll say the list again. Uh, Nantes, <laughs> Marseille, Celta Vigo, Real Madrid, Chelsea, PSG. I don't know, Jeff, has it? I must have missed that. It's a red card. Is it... Um, oh, fuck, I've forgotten his name. I might have to pass because his name has just completely gone from my head. I'll give you some time. Oh, what's his name? You can't sit on a buzz. No, 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 go on, no. No, no, go on, no. I'll, op- I'll open it up if Dan, if Dan can buzz in and remember. Okay, so a teaser for it. He is French. <laughs> that's, that's nice, Funny, I got that from the fact he's played for four French teams. <laughs> came from France. <laughs> um, oh god. Um, Would you like me to name? I can see his freaking face. I can't think of his I name. Think of it is at all. Okay. <sighs> all right. So he won the FA Cup with Chelsea, two thousand six, two thousand seven. That's so frustrating. All his bloody honours in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> How many names did you come prepared with? <laughs> Quite a few. I mean, I can skip it if you don't think you're going to get oh, it. I just can't think of his name. I can see position. his damn face. I think he's a defender. If it's who I think it is. Is he a defender? Uh, he's a defensive midfielder. <sighs> this is so frustrating. I don't, I'm going to pass. I don't, I don't know. No. It was Claude McAlealy. McAlealy. Oh. Damn it. Okay. <sighs> yeah. Damn it, I thought I could get back to one over there. Go on. So it was a little bit past the uh, the 10-year rule that I had. <laughs> yeah. finished with Chelsea in 2008, so I'll give you that. Right, uh, next player started off at Man United. He moved to Royal Antwerp. Sunderland. I don't know, Jeff, has it? I must have missed that. Red card. Chris? It's not Makeda, is it? Nope. I will love it if we beat them. Damn. Love it. Adnan Yanazai? No. What is wrong with you two really? today? Royal Antwerp. <laughs> United, Royal Antwerp. Sunderland. Sunderland. West Brom. Leicester. 
Just, just a hang up there, yeah. Oh my God. Johnny Evans? Yes. Fuck, yeah, that's who I was going for. Here we go. We're off and running. <sighs> off and running. 2-0. It's right, they get easier. Do they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Got to start off hard. <laughs> going hard. All right, come on. Um, so this player started off at Feyenoord. He then moved to PSV Eindhoven. Newcastle. Liverpool. PSG. I don't know, Chris. Jeff, I must have missed that. I need to listen to... I need to listen to all the carry. Uh, Georgie Wijnaldum. I'll give you that, yeah. <laughs> what, just because I got his first name wrong? Uh, yeah, I'll... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, is it right? Or is it not right? <laughs> <laughs> Stickler for the rules, this uh, new host. <laughs> Fran would have let me have that without any questions asked. <laughs> what would you... Genie? No, that's, that's Jorginho, isn't it? Mm. I'll take Jorginho. Is it Jorginho Wijnaldum? Yeah. yeah. Jorginho I swear Wijnaldum. that they call him Jeannie Wijnaldum. Yeah, but that's probably his preference though, isn't mm. it? It's like if I was a professional footballer, no, no fucker's going to be Christopher. I'm not, <laughs> not, not having it. <laughs> right, so next player started off at Schalke. Moved to Werder Bremen. Chris. I don't know, Jeff, Ooh, quick. I must have missed that. I'll get a shorter buzzer for next week. Uh, is it Kevin De Bruyne? It's not. So I'll say him again. Schalke, Werder Bremen, Real Madrid, Arsenal, mm. Fenerbahce. I will love it if we beat them. Love it. Mesut Ozil. Ah, oh, yes. Good shout. Well done. Is it harder this week? No, I'm just stupid. <laughs> I think I'm just overthinking it. Like yeah. some of the teams, you're like, like where did Brentford? Because as soon as you said Schalke, I'm like, I'm not going to have a clue who that is. Problem is, I feel this is harder. I feel than doing it the other way. Because mm. as soon as you say a player, you go, oh, I know that player. Yeah, yeah. I remember where he went. Mm. But when you're trying to do it the other way, it yeah. just, yeah, I quite it like it because it does make you think. And yeah, yeah, that's why I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> right, so that's a win for you. That's three one. So go on, we'll do two one. Three one. That's three one, isn't Thank it? Thank you very much. No, because you missed out um, Macaroni. You yeah. got Johnny Evans. Yeah. Chris and I got, got the Adam. first one. You got Ozil. Who did you get the first one? Oh, yeah, Tevez. <laughs> Cheers, oh, Cheers Peter. Peter. I, I, this I, I appreciate the try, <laughs> <laughs> Uh Right. Next player. Even bribing the uh, host is going. <laughs> it is first of five, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. first of five. Okay. Or no, but it's normally well, best, best of five. Best, best of five. five. Yeah. Right, we'll, 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 because we didn't get one completely, two, then we'll just we'll ignore it and do one more. So this is just for pride now. Okay. Um, started off at Charlton. Then moved to Everton. RB Leipzig. Fulham. Leicester. Oh. I don't know, Jeff, has it? I'm hoping I anyway. That. Chris? Um, is it Animola Lookman? It is. Oh, nice. I've never really... Got thought. some pride back. Yeah. Still a loss, though. <laughs> <laughs> what was the Leipzig? Is that what got you? No, it was the Everton, Everton. to Fulham. Yeah. Uh, sorry. So he's at Leicester now, is he? Yeah, he is, yeah. yeah. Permanent. I think it's permanent as well. Yeah. So, right, okay, so that's another win for Dan. I still need to do your bloody yeah. forfeit from last year. Don't think you're getting away with it. I will, <laughs> I will think there's something eventually. Um, so, yeah, thank you very much for listening, everyone. If you are on YouTube and you fancy a bit of a laugh, um, we are continuing with our LMA Manager playthrough. 
Um, the episode number eight, I think it is, goes out tomorrow. Um, we are having a blast playing it. I mean, well, Dan is anyway. Um, <laughs> it's not going particularly well for me, but I suppose that makes it a bit more uh, humorous for those watching. Um, we've got lots of other YouTube content planned between now and the end of the transfer window. Um, and we, yeah, if you've got any other ideas of things you might want to see us do, then do let us know. But thank you very much, everybody, for your support. And we will see you all next week. Goodbye. Bye.